Number one, Star Wars. Number two, comics. Number three, Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. Number four, Mario. Number five, Weird Al. Number six, Batman. Number seven, Cal. Number eight, The Simpsons. Number nine, TV. Number ten, every single band that I stole all their MP3s. But before they all sold out, see it all together if you with me now. Hey everybody, welcome back to Nerds Ruin Everything. I'm Logan. And I'm Adam. And uh, we're going to talk about, surprise, we're going to talk about Warner Brothers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, a shocker. Well, actually, there's also another thing. Like, I mean, we don't have to talk about it. It's just, it's weird that PTA finally got to cast Leo DiCaprio in, in his lead in a movie 30 years after Boogie Nights when he was originally cast in Boogie Nights before he went off to do Titanic. That's weird. Uh, but weirder still is how the hell, like, how the hell did Warner, I mean, we, there's a couple of rumors, but how the hell did Warner Brothers manage to snag the great white shark, a.k.a. Tom Cruise? I mean, his, so his deal, I thought the deal he had in place was basically a lifetime deal. Yeah, that's what I thought too. I thought it was like he was Clint Eastwood for Paramount, right? Because Paramount, like everybody knows, the whole thing with Clint is he was the he was the the Godfather handshake at Warner Brothers, right? Like he's yeah. going to be there until he dies, and that's apparently I know it's it's going to sound sad, but you know, at ninety five, he's making his last. I think he's really actually making his last movie. But anywho, um, yeah, like. Wow. Like that like upends a lot of things. Like, does that mean that there's no more Top Gun sequels? Does that mean that I mean I okay, so like I've well, heard the rumor. Go the, ahead. the rumor is also that Top Gun three is in development. Yeah. Weird, right? Like so <laughs> did he just buy a house close to Warner Brothers and was like, fuck it, I just want to go over there for a bit and just be closer there. So I'm like a two minute I'm a two minute run. From 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 my fucking from my office, but they're setting up like they made it very specific, right? Like they said that he's setting up offices and he'll be working out of Warner Brothers now. I mean, like that's a weird that's a weird shit, right? If anybody can get Zaslav, oh man, yeah, to, like yeah, uh, it could be Tom Cruise, like, or. Uh, okay, so like here, wild, wild speculation. Do you think that Tom Cruise is going to try to buy Warner Brothers? I mean, I mean, he could he take over the studio? Oh, I think he absolutely could. Like that would be phase phase what eight of fucking Cruise's dominance of Hollywood. Like, I mean, if he only makes one movie a year, but then he controls every. I mean, he's he's a madman, right? Like, like there's nobody like him at sixty. What is it, sixty one? I mean, like he still produced like over the last two years, he pro- he produced, starred and and basically controlled everything for two massive movies. One that wasn't such a big hit in Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning, though. I, I think that's bad timing, though. Like, yeah, bad timing. And honestly, a straight up fucking poor title, like just mm-hmm. absolutely it was very poor timing. If it comes out in December, if it comes out this year at this time, like, you know, like December, 
it's the movie of the it's the movie of the of the winter because there was nothing there's nothing at the box office that dominated right like aquaman was a joke um like it barely it crawled to 100 million i mean wonka's doing business but that's just because of like to be perfectly honest i feel like it's the first taste of what we're going to start getting a lot of which is the dominance of t-shams whether we like it or not that curly yeah. haired mop he- that that curly hair moppet is like going to start dominating because i mean if you make simple ass things like that of course and, and you're charming and you're and all the girls love you i mean aka leo right um but if you put dead reckoning in the in like if you just called it mission impossible dead reckoning not dead reckoning part 1 and you release it in december i mean we're talking about a movie that probably would make half a billion dollars. Like we're talking about it, like Jesus Christ, that's a great move. That was a great way to end the Christmas season, or the way great, great way to end the year, because you can't stop Barbieheimer, right? You can't. Yeah. Like there's just no way. Like, like I look back on this summer, and it's like, like it at like instead of Mission Impossible being one of the leaders, like. Top Gun was, it was just a part of a pack of a really great summer, right? I mean, it's <clears throat> it's right yeah. there with Barbie um, for entertainment value, and I mean, like, I look, I watched it, I recently watched it, rewatched it. Fuck, that movie is fucking built, like, it's just, it's built like the kind of action film you never see. Like, yep. it's got, like, two, like, it's a two-hour and 45-minute movie, where an hour and 45 minutes of it is Highly constructed, highly complex, amazing, you will never see again physical stunts. Like two hours of a two hour and 45 minute movie or a two hour and 30 minute movie is is action. Yeah. But it still tells a story. Fuck. So anywho, I, like regardless of that. I, yeah. I, so I, I don't know. I, I don't know how to look at this. I don't know how to look at this mm-hmm. as like, is this. Tom Cruise pursues Warner Brothers because he sees a, a ship that maybe isn't necessarily sinking, but mm-hmm. like the captain is a fucking moron. And he's yeah. just like, I I can fix this and I have a lot of interest in this. And um so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna try to do this. Or is this a Zaslov scramble where so I I'm not I'm not on the superhero films are probably dead train. Mm-hmm. But I no. do think this year did kind of wake a lot of people up uh, like executive wise and go like, "Oh, we we maybe can't just count on at least two or three of these movies being huge hits." Because outside of Guardians and Spider-Verse, none of them were hits last year. Like, not a single one of them made movie and made money. And there were a lot of superhero properties last year. Like, despite not having any, uh, like, Avengers-level things, like, Mm-hmm. I, I was going through the I, I'm working on my list of movies I was like good god there were a lot of superhero movies now some of them really were deserve the the 
I don't know the, the not making bomb. yeah 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 the, 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 yeah no absolutely like, I, I I honestly think Blue Beetle deserved better than it oh, got oh yeah I Again, I, I think that's an incredibly fun funny like just good superhero movie but also it was originally just supposed to be streaming and they had mm-hmm. a little bit of confidence in it which didn't really pay off you know it is what oh, it is timing again too the strike yeah. i think like if it gets they couldn't like, promote it, it no they couldn't if shazam like it's all scheduling right it's like shazam gets released in january or february it makes a little bit more money right and then you do blue beetle in in march and it becomes a surprise hit uh that carries you over into the guardians yeah like that that should have been <laughs> the plan it's funny but, they push shazam to avoid ant-man and it turns out they didn't necessarily need to avoid (laughs) ant-man yeah though ant-man like did make money like like, that's the thing it didn't make okay so here's the thing when a movie costs 220 million dollars um if you only make close to half a billion dollars that means you break even so um so yeah like it's not really a hit, like, especially when you're spending that kind of money. I mean, like, that's the other thing that I was thinking about is the amount of money that they're spending on these things. Like, there's no win-win, right? Like, Blue Beetle is different because Blue Beetle costs, like, $100 million. Like, it wasn't that expensive. Um, Like, and that's so weird saying that, right? Like, when, to play with the big boys, you're talking a minimum of $200 million, right? Like, like the the Avengers movies combined, the, the last two Endgame and Infinity War were somewhere in the neighborhood of like seven hundred billion dollars, or seven hundred million dollars they cost. Like that's fucking staggering to me, right? Like, but then you're talking like I feel like it doesn't it feel like they keep on thinking it's 2019 when it's really 2024 and you yeah. need to adjust the fuck out of this stuff, like. Yeah. Um, So is is that the move, right? Is is that why Tom Cruise is the move? Like, I think I think so. It's honestly, go ahead. He know he knows how to produce. Mm -hmm. Maybe not so much with the 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 writing of things Mm -hmm. because we know that uh, he kind of had a heavy hand in the Mummy movie, and yeah, that didn't work out so well but also maybe he learned his lesson with that yeah um so maybe he just leaves it to uh uh chris mccory or whoever he's partnering with um to just do the writing and Mm -hmm. yeah like i i don't know i it's so very strange and really did come out out of nowhere like I, I don't think any fucking body saw this coming. Like, no, no, like it was done in secret. Like everything that I was, I was reading from the beat reports because it very much so interested me. I mean, he's worked. Like the funny thing is, is like I was, uh, I think I was talking to. I might know was I talking to you or somebody else? I can't remember who I was talking to. Oh, I was talking to my wife about this. Like, cause like she was even she was like, isn't he a Paramount guy? Doesn't he just make movies for Paramount? I'm like. Yes and no. I'm like, the thing is, is that he's always had his toe in with the Warner Brothers business because, A, 
And I'm like, but A, like, it's very, very rarely you get a movie from him every five years from them. But also B, it's some of the more interesting, weirder stuff. Like, so, like, I was looking up his stuff. Like, think about his biggest hits from Warner Brothers, which are Risky Business, which is his original. Like, if you really think about it, it's his home, right? Like, that's where he came from. Like, that's his first huge hit. That's what made Tom Cruise like, oh, that's Tom Cruise. That, which, like, you know, like, I still find it, I pickles, it, it tickles me so much to think that Tom Cruise is who he is now. And then the movie that started him off was a movie about a kid who decides to run a brothel for all of his underage friends, right? Like, yeah. like you can't make that fucking movie today. But then you go, and then the next, like, really big thing he does is Interview with the Vampire. His only horror movie, it's super R-rated, it's super LBGTQ, and he super leans into that, right? Like, like you watch that movie now, and you go, how the fuck did they get Brad Pitt, Antonio Banderas, and Tom Cruise, and Christian Slater? I mean, River Phoenix at the time, R.I.P., but Christian Slater, all to do this gay vampire movie. And all lean into the whole gothy, like, 90s rock star like and i guess that's what the thing was right like you got guns and roses to do the cover for sympathy of the devil in that movie it's kind of very it's very weirdly like if it had made been made in the 70s it would have starred fucking <laughs> roger daltrey and fucking and all these yeah. rock stars right roger daltrey fucking uh, jimmy page robert plant especially robert plant like i feel like Wait, like in an alternate universe, Anne Rice is born in like the 30s. She makes this thing in the 60s. And then in the 70s, fucking Ken Russell directs fucking Roger Daltrey as fucking the vampire Lestat. And it's like the gay, like, and, and I say this very nicely because I, I like, it's like the most LBGTQ movie ever. Yeah, because not they go hard into it. Not derogatorily the gayest movie ever. Like, yeah. legit, like, this this is a like this is a very gay movie. Um, yes, oh, it, where somehow <laughs> Oliver Reed ends up like making love to multiple men, but like that's the kind of weirdness that the like I don't think that people remember the Interview with the Vampire being right. Like it was very weird to watch Tom Cruise and go, "Wow, he went hard on this." Like like he like yeah. that was the first like I feel like that was the first time where I went. You know, when Tom Cruise does something, he really does something, right? Like, he jumps into it. It's not method, but it's, like, star method, right? <laughs> like, like it's a, it's a superstar, and he goes full-on into the horror. He doesn't, like, he, like, 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 so much so to the point, like, one of my favorite scenes is where he takes the rat, he cuts it open, and he puts it into a wine glass, and he gives it to Brad Pitt. Like, what superstar now would ever fucking do that? Like, no, no one. I don't even think Cruz would do it. But it's, like, it's a weird kind of thing, right? Like, where he, like, just kind of jumps into it fully. And then the next one, the next big one was um, Eyes Wide Shut. I mean, that's a, I mean, that, that movie has an orgy in the middle of it. It's fucking, yeah. it's Stanley Kubrick. It has his wife naked continually. They have, they have a moment, like, my favorite part of that movie is, is that you think of Tom Cruise as this, like, cleanly guy. But then... In the movie, he's playing it against his wife. And their super intimate scene is smoking pot and him getting super fucking jealous and paranoid during like smoking a joint with his wife where his wife is telling him a fantasy. Like right. not like, actual happen. 
just like no. I, you know, I I have this like kind of weird fantasy that, and it's not yeah. even that weird. Like no, like it, it's like it, it's like it's like oh, like we were on vacation and I saw this sailor and I want him to make love to me and it's like and then he freaks out and he has this whole fucking meltdown because of the pot and because he couldn't handle it. Like guys, think about that. A superstar is letting himself sh- be a vain little egotistical prick. With his real life wife on screen. Like, that shit's wild. Like, I look at that and go, again, that's fucking wild. And this is Warner Brothers, right? And then finally, the last one was, um, I want to say, the the movie with 45 names. And I adore it. Um, All You Need Is Kill. Um, Was it Live, Die, Repeat? And then, of course, what it's called originally, Edge of Tomorrow. Um so these are all really unique movies and it's like, it's weird because it's almost, it feels like Cruz goes to Warner brothers to experiment. And I know that sounds weird, but it, it really is because like the movies that he produces there or like that come out of there yeah. are always like a weird, unique thing. Right. So does he like, it's weird because the, how they worded it, it was to create original content and existing i uh existing property like uh, existing properties or existing series right it was like it was almost like it was like oh he's come in to help and clean up here and make warner brothers bring warner brothers back right um like does he get involved like and you're to your question does he get involved with marvel or does he get involved with dc does where does well, James i mean Gunn there was that him? like last year that are mm-hmm. actually it was the end of 2022 i think the mm-hmm. weird like tom cruise saw the flash and said it's flash. wonderful and it's yes. like what <laughs> fucking who cares what tom cruise thinks about the flash like what why is that a thing and i mean <laughs> it seems a little more obvious now that like yes like this well, was like maybe some kind of courting or something but yeah Does he, again so weird <laughs> right okay so like here's the thing was the flash a test run for uh the uh the machetes uh the the the, the brother sister team of andy and barbara machete and like okay so here's something fucking wild and i just thought about it because you said the flash thing and he said he loved the direction he loved Andy Muschietti's like version of the flash right does that fucking like okay so wild ass fucking speculation does that does that fucking does that mean that we're going to get Cruz in the Batman movie i'm not necessarily saying Batman maybe it goes even wilder and he fucking plays Alfred <laughs> but i mean does it mean that like, are we reading too? Am I reading too much into it? And it's just fucking. That's too crazy. That that he could either a play Batman, which, if you think about it, like the Damien version of Batman, he's not in his thirties. He's kind of in his fifties, right? Yeah. Like it's like that forties, fifties, right? And Cruz has been playing, even though he's sixty, he's been playing forties and fifties in in movies right now, right? I I don't I I don't know, man. Like like it's a weird fucking thing, but I mean. If he wants to, be, I mean, we all know that he could have been Iron Man, right? And the rumor is that Marvel has hard, hard, hardcore, like, like Kevin, uh, Kevin has like, like 
like the rumor is that he has reached out and he has tried to like put that fucking like he's tried to hardcore well, reach yeah, it. even as a cameo. I mean, it, it persisted with Doctor Strange for the longest time. Like, yeah. oh, he's gonna be the alternate universe Iron Man. It's good, Man. and it, you know, it 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 just. I I think it always boiled down to my speculation. There might be something about it in the book, um, mm-hmm. but my speculation was always creative control. And yeah. Like that was the problem they had with Ed Norton, right? Was like yep. he wanted to be part of the creative team, and yep. it, for good or bad, Feige has been fairly like persistent on like the that side of things. Not like uh, of him basically controlling the creative vision. Now it, it definitely got out of hand because there were so many properties. But mm-hmm. very, very early on, that that was the overall problem with him and Ike Perlmutter was that yeah. Perlmutter wanted to be in control and, and it just turned into a battle. And, you know, I, I mean, we this week we got basically complete confirmation that the Netflix shows are Marvel canon yep. and uh Feige basically doubling down on Agents of Shield will absolutely never be canon in the Marvel universe which mm-hmm. is fair considering where that show went yeah but those early seasons feel pretty canonized um you know it, it's but it it is what it is um the yeah. closest we got was that uh uh the inhumans uh recognition in <laughs> And multiverse of madness. The saying that it's somewhere that is, um, but that's more for them to be able to come back to the Inhumans as a property in the Marvel universe than it is more like, oh, we're going to confirm this, right? Like, like Feige was kind of involved with that one, and he's like, okay, but you know what? I really want to do. I really want to make an Inhumans movie. Like we didn't, we should never have tried to make it a TV show. So let me, let's just confirm it. Like, like that's the thing is that if you see it on the big screen, it confirms it exists and he knows how this kind of fandom works. And so like, if he didn't do it and he didn't like, just like the way that the X-Men were confirmed and fantastic four, like, you know, he was trying to make, I feel like, like that one, he was kind of making a mini statement. Right. But also here's the thing that I find funny is that I almost wonder like, like if if Cruz like I always like I want to be in the alt universe where him and his crew were able to make Iron Man movies, right? Because eventually it would have gotten to McHugh, right? And oh, yeah. him and McHugh, him and McHugh would have made some wild ass things. But here's my favorite part: is that I often think about what, like the joking thing that Robert Downey Jr. said over the summer during that big interview that he had with, um, with. Uh, he had this hour long interview with uh, Nolan uh, where they were going back and forth and talking about things. And the things that they talked about were their respective DC Marvel movies. And my favorite part about it, and this is something that I find applicable to probably Tom Cruise is he was like, you know, if, if, um, if Nolan made the Avengers movie, we'd be still filming it right now. And that tells you the kind of movie that he would have been making. Right. (laughs) And that's the same thing I feel about, about Cruz is that he would have eventually found a way to make an Iron Man, a functional Iron Man suit that actually flew. 
Like, maybe flu assisted, and I know that sounds fucking crazy, but you know what? Fucking Tom Cruise. I mean, Tom Cruise is the kind of guy that wheeled him. I don't think you guys understand. He wheeled himself into being able to fly military fucking grade planes, jets. Do you know how many people can do that? Like, there's a study that says that I think it's point zero 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 one percent of the entire world population that means that there's literally maybe a 500 to 500 to a thousand people in the world that can handle the all of the things that are required of you to become a jet uh, an ace jet fighter pilot like think about that that's fucking wild right um i feel like if he had had iron man he would have made an iron man suit we like he would have been yeah. real life tony stark yeah i mean he kind of is if you really think about it it's not elon musk that's a fucking fuck elon musk right like that that piece of shit is just ugh. like he's not like like everybody oh here's iron man no he ain't no it's tom cruise tom cruise is like the real the real like he him and booster gold like it's, it's almost like yeah. this like, weird kind of like <laughs> now, right? okay, okay. Now, mm-hmm. if you're talking Tom Cruise in the DC universe, Booster Gold. Yeah. But it but okay, so like doesn't that kind of like I know it's like the age, like it's the age, right? Because isn't Booster Gold supposed to be like in his prime? I'm not saying that Tom Cruise isn't in his prime. I mean, his prime has gone on for a long fucking time. But I mean, yes, but I don't. I can. I could see it, man. I could really, I really see like uh, the the version <laughs> of Tom Cruise we got in uh, Edge of Tomorrow or whatever you want to call yeah, it. Yeah. That that's not that's kind of like heroic by accident, which is basically Booster Gold. Like, yeah, it, you know. Tom Cruise has not taken a lot of roles that require him to not always look, always be in a positive light. Mm. And so it's always really, really interesting when he does do that. Um, And and Edge of Tomorrow was just such a brilliant movie and his performance is so good in it. And I like I'm excited for more of that if it happens, but also like n- now I'm like oh yeah I know Booster Gold is a thing that's like on the that the forefront of like oh we want to do this with with DC and James Gunn mm-hmm. and like I think that's a perfect vehicle for Tom Cruise I mean this guy from the future with this technology that comes back to the past and pretends to be a hero when really he's just like a cowardly doofus and, and kind of has to, to come to terms with that, that, that is, that's, that's perfect. That's perfect. No, absolutely. Um, I almost wonder like, like, uh, that kind of it it kind of makes sense right like it's kind of wow okay um like like that like it's kind of designed for him um and you want to kind of like 
you want to give him something that suits him, right? Like, like that's where Tom Cruise works best. It's where whatever suits him. And that, that that's like kind of great with superstars anyways. Like that's what superstars do. Like you give them, you give them a box, right? And within that box, like they can produce, like, I mean, like, think about it. Like Tom Cruise has, has put himself in a fucking box. Like for the last, what, eight years? Like, yeah. like the, Eight years he's been in, or maybe no more like fifteen years. Like occasionally he'll like like he'll he'll go out, but for the most part he's been in this Mission Impossible box, becoming like literally the Fall Guy, right? Like literally, if you had told me the Fall Guy is like a story based on Tom Cruise, I'd fucking believe it because like it's like it's almost like they like when you first do this the Fall Guy, you go okay, well we gotta go to Cruise, right? Because he's like in that sandbox of stuntman, he understands it. Let's go to him first, and if he doesn't, we have the alternate list. They go to him, he goes nah, because nah, I'm not gonna do it, and he just says no. So then you go to the other people, and then you get Ryan Gosling, right? But it's that kind of thing where you know what Cruz does and you know what what his the confines of his of his of his view is and it makes perfect sense booster gold right like it makes like it, it's almost like designed for him right because if you said it in the 80s because i mean at this time it's kind of almost appropriate that the 70s and 80s heyday like where he came up is like the perfect time to transition him from the past into the future, right? Yeah. Like if we're doing it that way. Um, I don't know. Um, it's gonna be interesting. It, it's gonna it's gonna be very interesting to see what moves they make with him because there's there's a lot they can do. There's a lot that they can do. And I mean, he doesn't even have to like the first couple of years, he doesn't have to do anything with um with the DC, but I feel like DC is or Mar uh, Warner Brothers is doing this because the thought of having one of the biggest stars in the world, if not the biggest, like the last of the old age superstars, because that's what he is. I mean, if we really think about it, like like him and Pitt are the only ones that are left, right? Yeah. Um, and Pitt's already done his like little cameo thing that he's that, that like his his cameo thing in in Deadpool, Deadpool right? Yeah. He just doesn't seem to be very concerned with that. He doesn't want to do like he's doing. He's doing his thing. He's doing his Brad Pitt thing, right? He's doing that <laughs> F one movie. But, I mean, honestly, it's a shame not to to. But like now, I'm thinking about it. What would have been amazing, and they're both uh, they're both still in great shape. And mm -hmm. but your your age comment may be a, a little on point uh, or a lot on point if. 15 years ago this happens and we get uh tom cruise <laughs> as the dc <laughs> iron man blue yes. beetle ted yeah. cord and then we get brad pitt as booster gold, gold and we get the blue and gold and those two <laughs> together like i mean that would have been fucking perfect absolutely kind of perfect uh, <laughs> or 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 we do the inverse and fucking he plays to, like you know Tom Cruise plays Tony and somehow he's able to produce Captain America and he gets his old school buddy Brad Pitt to star in as Steve 
like 20 years ago. Yeah. Then that becomes Uh, wild. Like that's like, because I mean, if you think about it, like I never even thought about him, but like 20 years ago, Brad Pitt, like, you know, 35 to 40 or like 35, uh, close to 40 is almost the perfect, like other than Chris Evans is the, like, it's kind of like, even though he like it, it feels weird because like he always gets cagey about like doing those kinds of roles. But if he accepts it, like he becomes the ultimate. Like that becomes a weird fucking thing, right? <laughs> Where we don't ever get the Avengers, but we definitely get we get like these two separate entities of Tom Cruise as as Iron Man and Brad Pitt as um uh Brad Pitt as um as Cap. Yeah. But the, I like the blue and gold. Um, Especially because, like, that Ted Cord is almost, like, perfect for the kind of cruise of it all. Because it's, like, he's charming, he's funny. Um, well, and and it, they're not, neither one of those characters on the, the page are these, uh, and, and, of course, Iron Man's not altruistic either. But Cap, mm-hmm. you have to have that, like, stoic altruistic thing. Um, mm-hmm. But both Booster Gold and Blue Beetle... Um, are kind of goofy characters like like you can play into things that maybe you couldn't do with the the marvel stuff uh they're a little more it's weird to say they're more flawed um Mm -hmm. because iron man's certainly a flawed character but uh cap is one of the few marvel characters that doesn't have that like uh that like running flaw like he's He's not, I mean, altruistic's the perfect word. He is, like, one of the only Marvel characters that's truly, truly altruistic. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, everybody else, like, has a lot of demons, you know? And, you know, including, like, basically causing uh, uh, deaths of their loved ones, you know? Yeah. It's a fairly common running theme in Marvel. Yeah. but with with Blue Beetle and Booster Gold, like you you don't really have that. You just get to kind of be like, oh, this is like a a, a rich guy who invented a lot of goofy technology and then decided he wanted to be a superhero. And then, like I said, Booster Gold, the guy from the future comes back from the future with all this tech and is like, I'm gonna be a superhero and you know yeah. talks up a big game about how he's he's from the future and he's a huge star in the future and then you find out like no 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 he's just an an idiot <laughs> who, <laughs> who basically got to travel back in time and try to remake himself um but uh but yeah th- this this Warner Brothers deal it's going to be really interesting to see where Tom Cruise like throws his weight around because yeah. certainly with Zaslav I feel like he can do that and yeah. it may be the thing, weirdly enough, that saves Warner Brothers. Like, it feels weird to be like, all these people stepped in and tried to, like, basically right this ship um, without, like a, like, a financial stake in it, um, advising Zaslav on all these things. And mm-hmm. then Warner Brothers gets a deal with Tom Cruise, and Tom Cruise actually winds up being the one that that writes the ship and gets appointed back in the right direction. That's that's going to be real damn interesting. 
yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how how this all plays out. Um, uh, you know, for better or for worse. But I feel like <laughs> if it does help, like here's here's the thing: is if it does help, and I'm going to say this, then it proves that bean counters don't know shit. Nobody knows shit. And the best thing to do is let an artist take control of the studio because they're going to make artistic choices. And I feel like artistic choices, creative choices are better for audiences than they are for um, anything else. Like or uh, like are for business bean counters. Let's do what the streaming numbers say, because if you follow fucking streaming numbers, then the only thing that would be on screen right now would be remakes of the office like literally yeah. like remakes of the office like and i'm sorry as much as i respect and love the office i don't need anything else from the office like the office as it is is perfect like leave it the fuck alone like cheers like seinfeld like all of like friends don't fucking remake it why is it all of a sudden we want to remake this fucking shit it's because of streaming numbers and analytics analytics doesn't work because if, if you had listened to analytics and not tom cruise um we wouldn't have gotten top gun maverick or we wouldn't have gotten it in the manner in which we got it right because yeah. it's it's you know it's just not yeah I, i'm just i'm tired of i'm tired of. i'm like, with you i fucking fucks. hate that i hate this like and it, it, it is an executive level thing where it's like, well, yeah. we got to give them more of what they want. Like the numbers show that they want this. Well, the numbers never fucking showed that they wanted like, uh, like universe building franchises until Kevin Feige was like, guys, I'm telling you, we can do this. Like it's going to take a little work, but we can do mm -hmm. this. That it was not a fucking thing, man. Like, it was no. just not a thing. It was barely a thing in television. Like, there weren't shows that were running at the same time in the same universe. There were shows that kind of, like, had, like, like guest spots, you know? Like, I, I think, mm -hmm. like, Magnum P.I.'s in an episode of, like, Golden Girls. Or, like, some dumb yeah. shit like that. But not, like... In you know, there were spinoffs. That's what we had. Like Frasier is a spinoff of Cheers, and yeah. those characters pop up. Um, but Frasier but wasn't running the same, the same time as Cheers, and it's not the no, same. I, you it's know, not even close to the same show. Like there's like, like if you said Cheers and Frasier, if nobody saw Cheers or Frasier, right, and they watched the t like, if you didn't know that they were interrelated, like. And you just told the descriptions. How does one get to the other? They don't. That's a creative decision. That's uh, that's that's the Charles's Glenn and Les Charles who created Cheers. Going, you know what we want to really do? It'd be very interesting to take this Fraser character, who's kind of a simp for his his austere uh, wife, who's kind of hot but kind of weird and kind of like this this whole dynamic. Let's take this character. And where is he from? And they come up with a very creative and very kind of like it makes sense. Like when you when you like watch Frasier through the run of Cheers and then you get to Frasier going to Seattle um, 
everything makes sense. Like when you meet his father, you meet Niles, you, you, you meet uh, like, you know, the, the talk show, like the life that they, that, that he's building in Seattle, like it all makes sense. Um, and it's not, like you said, it's not from like some fucking tech bro that ran the numbers and A, B and C happened. Because if that's the case, then they do like, I already know what the streaming numbers would tell you. The streaming numbers would tell you, you really need to take Woody and make him the star and have him set in Florida and have it have some wacky ass weird things that happen, yeah, but it's just, not good. It's yeah. not good. Like it's, it's, not it's like Joey. A, it's Joey. Yeah, that, that's exactly you get the Joey spinoff of friends. And it's like, Oh yeah. Like it, it's, I, you know, Things that are, and I don't love Friends, but I get why people do. Like, that shit is lightning in a bottle. You can Mm -hmm. do it multiple times, but, like, you're not going to get to do it in the same place over and over and over again. Like, you're just not going to be able to. Like, and if you're constantly just going back to that same place, like, eventually, it's just, yeah, you you do what's happened to the superhero franchises and it's just like people like okay well we're kind of just like like it's all a little too much you know yeah (laughs) like no no it is um, just kind of yeah it's it's um it's all to say like we we, like i always love these topics that get us uh, like into a a very different place, a very different place than where we, we, we started off, but it always ends up like when, whenever we talk Warner Brothers and Zaz, it always leads to, to fuck the stupid streaming number stupidity that, that they seem to be trying to run off of and the cost cutting, like, let me sell, let me be, let, let me be Richard Gere from Pretty Woman and sell everything in pieces. Right. Um, yeah. Like it always gets to these weird points, like these weird inflection points where we start talking about this stuff. Um, but I always like it. Uh, like I don't, I hate it because we're talking about like you know we're actually talking literally about the end of the studio system, right? We're talking about like like Zaz is one of those those vultures, one of those succubus that like suck the marrow out of out of a studio and just turn it into dust. I mean, like literally, like it just. And it's sad, um, but at the same time, like, you know, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen, right? We can't stop it. Like, these idiots are, these idiots think that they're they're doing stuff to make, to prolong studio filmmaking. But in, the, in reality, they're doing quite the opposite. They're just kind of trying to put a nail in the, co- they're actually putting a nail in the coffin. I mean, if anything, like, I feel like. Yeah, you know, winter of 2023 was kind of a failure for box office. But if you really look at it and you read between the lines, it's kind of, if we went back 20 years ago, this is the kind of winter we would have, right? Like, it's weird because, like, the movies that are all out, the only one that's, like, a big blockbustery type of, like, oh, yeah, superhero, like, you know, big action is Aquaman, right? Everything else is, like, shit that you would have seen in 2003 right like migration is a like it's a, it's an animated movie right wonka is like a like wh- where the hell do you get wonka in 2020 uh 2023 that just doesn't seem like it plays right it, it's like it feels like more of like a 20 like a 2003 movie like everything that's playing the the musical color purple 
um anything that uh, like the bird and the heron like that made like godzilla minus one this is all stuff from like like doesn't it feel like early 2000s when we were like there's yeah money but then there's not and it's more about character than it is about like the like you know we're not getting like a star wars film we're not getting like these big things and the only thing that's big is big and goofy and yeah it kind of gives you a little bit of a hope of like (laughs) oh like you can't those are things that studios can't really like you can't look at the success of Godzilla minus one and be mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, so we got to give them big monster movies because no. there are also things that show that like, you're not going to get an audience, a huge audience for those. Like yeah. every time. So it's kind of, and like, uh, uh, was it the boy and the heron? Like, you yeah. can't look at that and go, oh, that was hugely successful here. Let's get more anime. Because, like, there's plenty of anime films and, uh, you know, foreign animated films, like, out there that they try to bring over that just wind up with a one-week run at the box office and make $100,000. And it's just like, yeah. oh, okay. Um, uh, much like the success of everything, everywhere, all at once, you can't no studio can look at that and go we got to do something more like this like no because <laughs> there are other yeah. things kind of similar um not doing as much as that movie is doing but you can point to plenty of like weird sci-fi things it's like yeah nobody showed up for that so like I, it it gives you a little bit of hope of like maybe some of these people can start to see like oh we need to start just looking for good things not looking for things that uh our analytics department like you said says that this is something people will want um yeah well it's like okay go ahead ahead. oh no i was just gonna say as an example anyone but you that's the much ado modern update with glenn powell and sydney sweeney like two like young young stars in an r-rated rom-com that's like like i said a play on much ado like that movie right like it opened kind of small but right now it's the number like like um it's the number one movie right now because like you know it's like the number one box office movie for the like like during the week because people are seeing it and discovering it right like it's gonna be like it's it's like everybody is talking about like how it's progressively stayed the same box office and it's starting to accumulate and it's like that under under the top three, but it's staying at number four constantly, right? And it's already made fifty million dollars on a like I think a twenty million dollar budget. So like everything else is gravy for this movie. And it's a word of mouth. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that we we're used to. I think that people like ultimately I feel like I know this is gonna sound weird and I'm not blaming it. I'm blaming the after effects of it is I feel like everybody saw the grosses on Avengers and thought we need to make movies at that level because we need the money on that level. And like, they were all going for grand slam. Like it's baseball. Like everybody saw like what trout and Otani were doing, even though they weren't going to the playoffs. Right. Like they, they, they'd each hit like three home runs in a, in a fucking, in a fucking game. And then the angels would lose by 20, Uh, but you would see that. 
And people are like, wow, that's amazing. And then it was like, almost like they wanted to lean into that. And they suffered because where are the, the singles doubles, uh, the singles doubles and the occasional I mean, triple. We saw it and, in the steroid uh, era, man. Like, exactly. It, it's like, yeah, people are showing up to watch McGuire hit home runs. Uh, mm-hmm. But like that, that's not going to last, man. Like, and I mean, to, I, I guess that's a good comparison, but like superhero yeah. films, it's like it's the steroid era of Hollywood. And mm-hmm. <clears throat> like, I, I, I fully, I, I support them. Like, I, yeah. I, I didn't have this shit when I was a kid. So mm-hmm. I feel like even if they're bad, I kind of sort of like. You know, the geek in me is like, you, you got to at least show a little bit of support. Like, you don't have to love it, but you got to show a little bit of support. Um, yeah. Put your money down and then be like, yeah, I didn't really like it. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it just that that shit burns out. Like, yeah, you know, eventually well, people like you're going to lose that audience because mm-hmm. they're like, oh yeah, I'm not doing this again this year. Like, yeah, we watched the chase last year. I'm not gonna uh, watch them try to chase it again this year. Like, you just yeah. lose those people, and they stop showing up, which is what has happened. And like, then then you're left going like, what do we do? Meanwhile, the actual fans of film have been over here going like. Can can we get the Martin Scorsese movie in theaters, like yeah. for more than can, one week? Like, can, you know, can we? Yeah, can we get can can like can we get Napoleon, like like in its uncut form in IMAX for more than a two, the more than the three weeks that it's been in? Um, and I don't have to wait to watch it on streaming. Like it's it's I mean, weird, if, right? If like, Nolan did not have the deal that he has. Like literally with IMAX, I don't yeah. think that movie would have ran for as long as it did in theaters. Like no, if he absolutely were, not. If he were uh, anybody else, it just mm-hmm. you know making high quality films, but like just like every other like prestige director, like at truly truly at the hands of a studio system, like he he would not have that movie would not have made the money it made. It's because he has an overall deal with IMAX and like they're not going to fuck that up. So, yes, he gets an eight week run in IMAX, you know, nobody else gets that. (laughs) No, but he's worked hard at that and he's created a band like, okay, so like, here's the thing. This is the biggest thing that I feel like I fucking hate about uh, about what what. What the media portrays, what the studios portray, is that that oh yeah, it's just easy. Throw hundred, like throw five hundred million dollars and a game cast and big visuals, and it'll be done. And audiences are stupid enough to fall for that. And the thing is, is that that is not the fucking case. That is just not the case, right? Like the thing is, is that audiences, whether they realize it or not, like. Like they intrinsically crave good stories. Like that's the thing. Like that's the one thing I feel like is lost. Um, even with the like, I fucking hate social media. You know I do. Um, especially on the social media at- atmosphere. When you look at things like 
like like that whole like what sickened me and i knew that this was going to be something that everybody was going to have to pay for and they have paid for it now is the stupidity of not only the russos but social media mathered together when when endgame like crossed the whatever to pass to pass avatar right and the stupidity like they acted like this was this was a win for them like this was a cinematic achievement when it really wasn't all it meant was that a lot of people went to go see your movie because they were excited about it because they were because kevin feige not you two fuckers worked really hard and this is the thing that's always missed is the hard hard work that is done by people to make movies the best that they can be and like that's lost and so like all they see is the money and so they go a plus b equals c so let's just do that that's what happened with dc and dc crumbled and nobody learned their lesson like godzilla minus one didn't make 50 million dollars at the box office in the u.s with subtitles because it was it had giant visuals no i'll tell you why godzilla minus one made made that money because everybody that saw it got hooked in the human characters because we all can feel the loss of a job the loss of a family member um it's very much of the covid era movie and it hit hard like it hits hard emotionally when you watch that movie like the journey that the main character goes on is like like it, like when you watch it you go that's why everybody fucking loves this movie that's why this movie fucks this is why people have like it's become like this middle micro like this micro groundswell um because it's the story because they cared enough they fucking put so much energy into telling a great story that serviced the characters before it serviced the visuals like if i told you how they get into certain action scenes and i told you about the characters and you didn't experience it yourself you kind of probably would have snoozed about it like that's why i like like but it's that's what made that movie a hit not because it had fucking godzilla in it right like it like godzilla was an afterthought about it, it he's essentially they did the perfect thing they made jaws like why why does jaws work because we care about the characters we love the characters and we don't see jaws jaws is not a, like jaws is the the as a character but he's like in it all of two minutes right like you only see jaws like a grand total of two like two minutes of footage but everything else is all you know behind the scenes obscured and all that stuff they kind of use that until the end and then they really like there's certain moments like he's like an exclamation point he is not the sentence um so yeah i mean it's like it's weird because it's like somebody told me like 2023 was great for movies but it was terrible for the movies if that makes right. any sense and it truly was because like i look at things and i'm like 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 one of my top my favorite movies of the year is the holdovers it's about three people three broken people but I, and I it's still gotta watch that. there's so many movies i gotta catch up with that one um and uh, uh the guess i haven't finished the killer i, I got five minutes <laughs> into it and fell asleep um oh man he's not so good at his job uh maestro <laughs> um but I, I, but, eh, I, uh, but i'm probably not gonna watch my <laughs> 
it's all good, dude. Um, but yeah, no, no, no. And I get it. Like there are these movies that are like human scale, but they hold your attention. Like, like a movie that I, I like, I can't fully recommend because it's such a Nick Cage movie, but the dream scenario it's like a it, brilliant bit of brilliance. It was so on on the film cast. It was on Dave Chen and uh, Jeff Kanata's top ten of the year. Mm-hmm. I I can see that. I can see that because it services like I know why Chen because it's the kind of movie that Chen loves. Yeah, if I was afraid of, was on his list. <laughs> Jesus Christ! It's the slippery slope of a movie that doesn't let you like anybody. But it also gives you a bunch of empathy for people. So, like, there are these terrible people that are you're empathetic towards. It, it's very much like it's it's Nick Cage working in that adaptation atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, that's what like, they talked about. Was like, yeah, a, a very similar to adaptation of just like let let's let's kind of go crazy and but also like explore like humanity with this craziness. And um, I mean, it mm-hmm. certainly piqued my interest. Um, but I mean, most Nick Cage stuff, it, whether I watch it or not, usually I'm like, that looks interesting. Um, but yeah, it, it's one I want to catch up with too. Um, Absolutely. Um, but yeah, like it's like, like I feel like theaters and the not like the non true cinephilias, like suffered right but i look at i look at it, it might be I'm different like, this, this year yeah it might be but also we've, we've got deadpool 3 we got a bunch of sony yeah. shit that's gonna bomb certainly oh bomb. god oh i'm i'm actually going to see madam webb in advance but i got my i got my i got my special screening of, like and this should tell you something it literally the screening is like like five days before the movie opens. So like, let's just. Let's so not enough time for you to be that. like, please don't go watch this movie. Exactly. Um. <laughs> exactly. Uh, enough for us to like, like record a, like we can definitely record something and we can definitely laugh about it. Uh, but, but you're right. But also like what gives me hope is like, like the weird, the weird things, the unexpectedness of 2023, right? Like, even though I don't like, I'm not, I'm not a fan of her music. Um, Taylor Swift having a concert film that makes two hundred million dollars. Yeah, like that. Tell like that tells me like you're underservicing certain audiences, and they will go to see something. Now, of course, the cult of Taylor Swift is very different. Like just like the cult of Beyonce. Like uh, like Beyonce made a beautiful concert film. Like like um like a very beautiful concert film. And it, I mean that movie made like forty million dollars. Like concert films don't make that fucking kind of money unless you're Eddie Murphy making Raw, right? Yeah. Um, uh, or the Kings of Comedy, like it's usually a comedy tour movie that which that have been like that's a that's a thing of the, the past, right? Remember the Kings of Comedy? Yeah. Like like we all went to go see the Kings yeah. of Comedy and made like a hundred million dollars, and that's a Netflix special now. Yeah. Like you know, thanks Netflix for so like you know it's all to say like twenty twenty four like I I don't mind the crumbling of the box office. Because, I mean, I don't have a vested stake in it, but also, like, you know, these people need to learn. Like, they're yeah. going to have to learn cr- by hook or crook, right? Um, I mean, essentially... It's we're weird seeing... that, that COVID didn't kill movie theaters outright, and nope. now, post-COVID, it's just like, oh, actually, studios not 
putting shit in theaters might be what kills movie theaters. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's also the studio greed of let's all make a let's all make a two hundred and fifty million dollar tentpole movie that has no personality and no charm and yeah. no nothing. Um, let's put that in. Let's let's make that and put that into theaters and see if that runs. Let's go ahead and make a Justice League before we spend the ten years to make to to do the hard things of like building characters and building a world and building a universe. Let's just do Justice League. Like that's the that's the that's the test case for studios doing like studios trying to make big money after they see something that made money. Like they're just chasing ghosts. I mean, it's literally, that's what I feel like it is. It's like, they're just chasing ghosts. And rather than, it's always when a studio does something different is when they're rewarded, right? And, you know, there were certain ones like Tom Cruise forcing the issue of Top Gun, right? Like that's the thing that I find. And then we're going right back to Tom Cruise, right? Like, Tom Cruise saying we need like like cinema is important, big movies are important, but we need to see them on the big screen, and but we need to make them good. We can't make them like I don't know, like a bunch of like there's I don't know there's just something about it where it's like like the tech bros have done exactly what they did with music. They ruined it. Like like yeah. literally, if we really think about it, this is exactly where music was. Um, was it 20 years ago after Napster and the tech bros started taking over music? Yeah. Like, and the stream, like the, the D. I mean, they they almost completely killed music as a physical medium. Yep. But I mean, like the resurgence of vinyl vinyl, of all things. Yep. Has been the, the, the thing that, and and I, I mean, I'm there like, yeah, I don't buy music unless I'm buying it on vinyl. Like, Absolutely, I, I have so many CDs. I'm just, I'm like, I'm not going to buy another CD. I'm just not going to do it. Like, no. I, you know, I, but I will if it's something I'm interested in. Go buy vinyl of something, you know, in the past or a, a current release. I'm like, yes, I want. I bought the Barbie soundtrack on vinyl. You know, mm-hmm. I would not have paid. And I spent thirty five dollars to buy it on vinyl. Would not have paid 15 bucks for it on CD. I'd be like, ah, just stream it. Like, it's fine. Yep. But I'll buy it on vinyl. <laughs> so, you know. Uh, you, no, absolutely. And that's, I feel like, like, it's weird. Because I saw this, I saw this documentary yesterday. Um, and it kind of really revitalized. It's called Against the Grain. Um, it was produced by Vinegar Syndrome, the, the, the boutique label. And yeah. it's about film preservation and what film preservation means and what they're doing because they do very specific things right they do regional movies um they do occasionally big like forgotten box office hits from studios like that's their bread and butter to keep them doing what they want to do which is preservation right securing making sure that like like regional filmmakers like movies are like are saved and it's like it kind of revitalized me in thinking about what I love about movies, right? Like we've gotten to that point where like, I, I, like you, I love the superhero movie. Cause it's like the things of my imagination when I was a kid, but that's not my, all my diet because that's cotton candy. Occasionally it's a like Michelin restaurant dessert, but it's still dessert. Like I still need my, like I, I like at a certain point I'm like, 
where's my where's a good burger? Like, you know, I miss a good burger. I miss a good juicy burger with some Swiss on it, some pickles, like, you know, with some a side of French fries and a good $5 milkshake for you Quentin fans. Um, I miss that. I also miss my filet mignon. I miss my Kobe steaks. I miss my like sushi, my hero, like my my hero, my dreams of hero sushi, right? I'm getting that back. It's not like, but it was never gone, but it's, it's like, it almost feels like there is this shift. And I think it's kind of a perfect time to talk about, about what I feel is a throwback to like (laughs) this, this, this TV series would have been very at home in 2003, which is Echo, um, the new Marvel series that just dropped right from And they they labeled it Marvel Spotlights. I don't know what the hell that means, but okay, Marvel that, Spotlights. So that that's their new uh, R-rated thing, or yeah, that, that, all the the stuff that doesn't necessarily fit in the family friendly mold is now okay. going to be Marvel Spotlights. So the uh, <laughs> the Werewolf by Night we we got would be uh-huh, a Marvel okay. Spotlight Spotlight thing. So. Okay, so anything above a PG-13, basically. Yeah. Um. Okay, so they're horror and action. Okay, like, I went in very judgmental, very hands-crossed. I mean, I told you, like, I didn't watch it all week because I was I was working. I mean, I worked a lot. And also, it was just like, there, like after you get home and you're tired, the last thing you want to do is try to engage with something that you may not 100% I don't want to say C, but like the thought of having to go through three and a half hours, which is what the series total is with the five episodes of this particular thing. I was like, "Uh." but Friday I took off. I took a part of the day off because I'm working this weekend and it's like, I'm just tired. So I was like, okay, let's just see how many episodes I can get through. Got through all five because it's, it's not great. Nope. It's it's it it's I don't even know if it's good, but it's that's that 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 region between solid and good. Like do you know what I mean? Like it's like it's like a it's like a B. It's like a yeah. solid B. It's not an A, but I like B. I like where that lands because it's not perfect, but it's also it te- like it's very linear. Like I'm glad that it was five. It didn't stretch it out. It tells the single story that it needs to tell, and it tells it in such a very 80s, 90s, like action film sort of way with this, with this lead that feels like she's from the 80s or 90s. I because love her, right? Like she is. Like give me her in another like lo-fi but like give me her and like i kept on thinking about john wick and how this is kind of like killers of the flower moon by way of john wick like that's the way it feels right like it's it's and i hate to use this because i get very cagey about the netflix stuff but it feels like it and pun intended it feels like an echo of it feels like what kevin wants to do with the netflix stuff in like what we're gonna get from the stuff with netflix like it's like this 
nice bridge between what Disney is doing now with their TV stuff and what Netflix was doing. It's almost as though I want, like, if this is the way they're going, then I want, I want Hawkeye, the next, the next series of Hawkeye, whenever they get to it in 20 years, when, whenever Jeremy Renner is recovered, I want this to be a Marvel spotlight. I want them to go into the R rated with Hawkeye because if it's this kind of mixture, I definitely I feel like that's where I need it to be. This is ba- this is basically what I was talking about. Like it's a solid it's a it's a double. Like it it but it doesn't have to be a grand slam, right? Like a double is good. It's charming. It allows them to be a little weird. Like I don't know, man. I mean, what like did you finish it so we can actually like yeah, so that yeah. I can know that we can talk. Okay. Um I don't know. Like I liked, I liked that. I liked the characters that they brought in. Um, I liked the drama of it all. I liked it a lot. Like I, I, I don't, I didn't love it, but I mean, is that such a bad thing to not love something? Like, like I still liked it. And like I said, it's a solid double. Like it's a good starting point, right? If you want to, if you want to make another, another series like this. Yeah, I, I I I think you're right. I I do think it's good. Like I, I mm-hmm. if somebody said ask me my opinion, I would say it's good. And I think yeah. I, I think that's why I texted you. So far, so good. Mm-hmm. Um I, I I it falls well short of great, certainly. Um yeah. there there's some some editing that I'm is baffling. Um that mm-hmm. there's certainly some plot issues that are are weird, um, but the acting in the show is phenomenal in every single aspect of it. Like there is not a, a false note in any of the characters. There's nobody I was just like, oh please God, less of this. Like I. I really thought that um, what was his name? Biscuit. I was going to call him Crackers. Yeah, uh, Biscuit. I was like, <laughs> uh, I don't like. Please God, like this is not going to be like the the. I know everybody likes Darcy, and I'm an outlier, but this is not going to be the Darcy like thing. I, I don't want that. I I hate. Uh, but like every time he showed up, I was like, oh, Biscuits, like. Uh, the thing with the truck at the end, like they should have put the scene of him going to the junkyard to fix up the truck much sooner than they did. Yes. No, like, absolutely. It, it felt like an added thing of like, oh, we have to explain like why he has suddenly this giant monster truck. And so they, they added that scene in, but it, it's still, it's fine. Like it's all fine. Um, it's a little cheesy at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, they they don't explain uh, the power thing, which is fine. No. Mm-hmm. Um, I I kept waiting on the like bum bum bum. She's a mutant kind of yeah. thing. And I mean, maybe she is. Maybe that's a, a thing. But they're just not gonna get into it. I I like the 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 Native American history, like incorporating things 
like that in there and mm-hmm. I, I I just I really just dug it but more than anything I dug the performances like I I I liked I love the use of sound or, or not use of sound yeah. in, in the show um I I don't know yeah I I really really enjoyed it I think as much as I want to say it was a mistake to drop all five episodes at once, I I don't know if people would have kept showing up week to week to watch the show. Yeah, no, it feels like I said, like it feels like a three and a half hour movie. Yeah. Like if you don't watch it in like chunks, it doesn't work. The narrative drive isn't there, at least for me, right? Um, like the bigger, like for me, it's like. It works as like if you look if you watch it all the way through, it's great. Or if you stop at episode three and then you pick up the last two, that's also really good. I think that three is the strongest episode. Um, I really do like the that one works better than anything in the the show. It kind of is like flashy and showy in a way that I don't think that the show is um, after it or before it. Um, it. It's it's like if. Every episode was like episode three, uh, where they stylishly take on tropes um, and obliterate them. Like this show would have been a like it would have not just been solid to good. It would have been good to great because that you see you see everything gel in that episode, at least for me, because it starts off with the with the whole convention of like silent film like and it's beautiful right it's like silent film like history right and using the tropes of the of of the of the era for cowboys and indians and westerns and turning it on its ear like i loved that and then everything that happens in the in the rink right like uh the the roller yeah. rink and like all the betrayals and all of the surprises and the nice like the action is really well executed there and family and drama and comedy and all it all swells together perfectly but what what was know. the what was the swayze movie that's like set in a small town um it, it had liam neeson in it oh next of kin next of kin yes uh like i was drawing a blank i was like God, what was the name of that movie but you know that the, 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 that local gangster guy runs the mm-hmm. town and like it, it it's it's a kind of a nothing of a movie but also it's not like it's it's the movie that it is and it's not trying mm-hmm. to be like the godfather it, it's just telling the story and that's kind of like what this show was doing. Yes. And like we need more of that. And also people need to just be okay with that. Like, yeah, it's the story that it is. It tells it. First of all, it's competent. Like when's uh, I'm trying to think of, we've had our fair share of competent Marvel mm-hmm. properties, but in not 2023 not so much with Mm-mm. the the tv like they and they're probably like 50-50 really if you yeah. just are saying competent tv shows um I, I i think this is the first one that i didn't fucking hate the end of like 
I've mostly enjoyed all the Marvel TV shows, but mm-hmm. without fail, when we get to the end, well, no, Hawkeye. I didn't hate the end of Hawkeye. Um, without fail, <laughs> almost every time, by the time we get to the end, I'm like, I don't like this ending. Like, it's just, just becomes a big CGI slugfest. And while this was a slugfest and it did involve CGI, it was not like, the fucking end of WandaVision or Moon Knight um, or, I mean, Loki kind of to a lesser degree. Um, Although I did like the end of Loki. I I like Loki overall. Um, But yeah, I I really uh, like enjoyed it throughout. And had I, had it not been like, well, kind of like similar to you, like, my my work schedule is it's the same every week, but like uh, I, it gets a little difficult to watch things during the week. Now I, I kind of don't don't have time at work to just put something on and focus on it. So because mostly because I work in the office now and I can't just fuck off whenever I want. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I, I'm with you. I really really enjoyed it. I hope that people do check it out i feel like it's probably not gonna happen um but yeah i mean most of all i don't want this to be the end of the live action version of this character i really thought they were gonna tie it into what if with the Mm -hmm. character that they created and well and especially with devry jones playing 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 the character that they created and also playing her sister yeah. Like, and especially because of how they explained the powers, yep. it being everybody from all times, but it also de- like the circle, the concentric circle is definitely an image that they took from what if I just, so was echo made at the same time that what if season two was, and they just didn't have time to communicate. I mean, possibly, uh, and, and it could have been that the initial intention was to tie those things together and mm-hmm. that maybe they just backed like closer together, I should say, because there's certainly a connection, but it, it's not the not as solid as I thought it would have wound up being. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, maybe they just backed away uh, a little from that. Mm-hmm. Uh but I don't want this to be the end of Echo. And maybe it won't be. Like, so, I, I, I mean, we said we watched the whole show. So, obviously, spoilers. Yeah. But, like, there's the post credit scene of, like, oh, Kingpin now sees his, like, oh, maybe what I need to do is become the mayor of New York City. Which is definitely a storyline from yes. the comments. Um, and certainly that leads into Daredevil Born Again. Uh, and... I would imagine that after like the way this show ends, Kingpin now being the mayor of New York city certainly would get her attention and she might feel the responsibility of like, Oh, I played a part in this. I now have to go like help solve this problem. So we could see uh, daredevil and echo together uh, again, which would be yeah. really, really interesting. Uh, th- their brief encounter in this show I thought was phenomenal. Also, fucking Charlie Cox should have been the future of the MCU. The feud between mm-hmm. Pearl Mutter and Feige, 
totally fucked that up. Like I, that guy is so fucking good. He's he, just so good. He really is. Um, and it also leads to the, like, I feel like also this also leads to D'Onofrio going onto the big screen because he feels the void of whatever, whenever they decide to get back to Spiderman um, with Holland, he feels like, like if he does become mayor, that's like another big thing that they can use in Spider-Man yeah. uh, to bring, you know, like to give him a truly like, you know, a truly great like villain to face off with on the street level, you know, no more cosmic, more of a street level, but th- this is like, street level in the way that like marvel does street level right and it allows him also like kevin to play with like you said hawkeye daredevil echo like 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 a a a version of the of the defenders in like say maybe spider-man um that won't be called the defenders but you can give holland's next movie a boost in a way that I feel like becomes like an interesting thing because like I was thinking about it and like, they never do things the, like the straight, like one-to-one. Right. And we haven't had black cat yet. Right. From, and there's a, there's an opportunity to do a black cat kind of thing. And I was thinking about it. And I was like, why couldn't we just have Yelena in the, the Spider-Man universe and make her hit Holland's black cat? Because if you think about it, Yelena's kind of the she's kind of got that black cat energy and it also gives you a very different person to interact with for Holland um I don't know just thinking outside of the box and how like why do you bring why do you bring D'Onofrio back other than to put him in the tv shows you want you want D'Onofrio like his kingpin is probably the best thing to come out. Like, I know, like, I like Charlie Cox too, but I feel like his kingpin is, like, one of the best, like, things to come out of the Netflix universe because he is such a great complex villain. And you're kind of keeping him there. You kind of detoothed him a little bit in Hawkeye, but you kind of didn't. You kind of gave him a new flavor, right? Like, you like you readjusted him, but just slightly. So. Yeah. Why do you not like, and especially because he's so intrinsically tied to New York and he really is like, he is one of those villains that goes across all of the different characters. Right. And he's like, like, you know, he's one of those guys that, that Spider-Man does face off against. And I don't know, it, it, it seems like it's, there's an opportunity here to really kind of give Vincent D'Onofrio that kind of ground level Thanos treatment right like 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 not in the like like ground level not like galaxy but like he's like the guy that everybody has to deal with and nobody wins like that would be awesome is if that nobody wins against him because she doesn't win echo doesn't win she kind of just she she saves her family and i loved that about the show is that King, Kingpin, for all intents and purposes, could have destroyed her, but there was an emotional tie to her, like a true emotional tie. Oh yeah, um, yeah. And that's the reason why he let her go. Yeah, but like you I, know, like and that's that's the ahead. other thing that this show has that a lot of shows 
don't like outside of maybe WandaVision and WandaVision kind of loses it towards the end. Like there's a mm-hmm. lot of pathos here. Like there's yes. a lot of stuff to unwrap. They they could have like spent a lot of time diving into that. They they don't. And I mean, I kind of appreciate that they don't, that it just it just kind of shows you and it, it is what it is. Um yeah, it's yeah, it's really good. I honestly, I'll probably rewatch it. Like I can see that. Yeah. No, I mean it's because it's three and a half hours. It's not a ten. It's not a twelve episode commitment, right? Yeah. Uh, and it's very light on its feet. I know for something that's so heavy duty, and she and Aquila Cox like love her. Um, I feel like like they didn't give her. They gave her a tiny box, and they didn't let her go outside of that tiny box. But I mean, within that tiny box, she works very well. I feel like I almost like want. Like after watching it, I'm like, you know, give her the next time. Can we give her a little bit more? Like, let's give her like, I know that there was a purpose and it like takes place over a few days. So like, there's just one mode of her, right? It's very kind of like, that's why I compared it to John Wick. Like there's no subtlety there. It's I'm going to go after the thing that I need to go after. And there's nothing that's going to stop me. Um, That's exactly the way that it, it, it plays out. So like in the next one, Still five episodes or six episodes, but give me a little bit more. Give me something a little bit, a little bit different, a little bit more. But again, um, I would I love it if we got again. a season two. I I, I don't think yeah. that'll happen, but I would love if we got a season two. I mean, at this mm-hmm. point, we've only got one show that had a season two, right? So yeah, um, you know, and they're certainly <laughs> slowing everything down. Uh, we don't even know what Marvel TV we're gonna get this year, right? No. That we know this, uh, but outside of that, like it could be nothing else. Um, well, supposedly, Daredevil is not. It, supposedly, Daredevil because of the re the reshuffling, and then also. If, you know, because the creatives, all of the creatives yeah. got fired and they started all over again with uh, Benson and Moorhead, um, who took on, took a look and said, no, we have to scrap everything and start from yeah. zero for a 24 episode show. Like, I mean, we're not going to see 20, that. Till, uh, 2025, early, at least. Yeah, earliest. Yeah, early yeah. 2025 is probably the earliest. Um, yeah. I, I would say they'll probably delay it till summer. But uh, yeah. I mean, we'll see. Uh, yeah, I, I I would love more of this. I, I unfortunately don't think we're going to. Hopefully it's just not the last we see of Echo. And I, not to belabor anything, Echo in the comics was such a fun character when she started. And, and they certainly were adapting that character like she started in the comics. I appreciated mm-hmm. that. Um, her current version in the comics, she became the host of the Phoenix Force, and it got really, really weird and goofy. Um, I thought for a second, I was like, are they going to do this in the show and make her more like she is now currently in the comics? They did not. I really appreciated that. Um, because Echo as the Phoenix, it was it's oh fucking weird <laughs> like why <laughs> um and, and not not demeaning her character but like she's just not mm-hmm. that 
big of a character like in in the mcu proper like the actual comics universe she's not that big of a character like i appreciate the spotlight on her but she's not super fucking important to the the actual universe of marvel comics why would she be the phoenix (laughs) um (laughs) no uh that there's a lot to unpack there but like yeah that that was a decision that i was just like oh what the fuck ever like (laughs) like i'm not doing this um so yeah I, i i appreciated that they didn't go full on that way but definitely gave her like some some a power subset that that was strange and undefined and spiritual and not like necessarily uh like cosmically mystical you know um um but anyway uh yeah that that's really all i had time to watch this week unfortunately was just echo so Uh, no absolutely i mean i think it's a good point to wrap it up uh, you haven't seen Self-Reliance, the Jake Johnson movie. I have, but I actually want to have a conversation with you once you see it. Um, yeah. Because it's a very it's a very weird, kooky film. Who knows? Maybe next week we'll we'll talk that in maybe holdovers because there's like, you know, realistically, there's not a lot going on because it's the doldrums of, of it's the doldrums after the holiday season. So, yeah, I'm going to try um, to catch up with both of those uh, this weekend and uh Hopefully that's because uh, Spencer texted me at like not even knowing that we had talked about it. I was like, have you seen the holdovers? You mm-hmm. really have to watch that movie. And I was like, yeah, I'm go- I'm going to get to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's uh, definitely, yeah. Like it's Giamatti's year. I really hope that they, I really hope that they like, uh, it's, that it's a picture, wonderful- that picture, if nothing else, the picture of him going to the fucking in and out after winning. Yes. Golden Globe. I was just like, I gotta see this movie. I love Paul Giamatti so fucking he's so much. Good. He's so uh, good. In it. It's such a great movie. Um, I mean, we haven't even talked about like uh, Divine Joy. Um, Divine Joy, who is his like co-conspirator in the movie, and then the kid, uh, Dominic Cessna. Like they're like, I'm waiting for you to like actually watch the movie to to like see how it plays out and. Like, you know, the unexpectedness of it, so I won't ruin anything. But needless to say, yeah, it's it's a one like it was the most unexpected movie uh, for me because I didn't think it was gonna live up to the hype, but it really does, um, in a weird, wonderful way. And so, like, the less you know about it, other than the main plot, the 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 better you are to go off and just enjoy the simple pleasures of a movie that like if, if it was if it was made in the 70s, it would literally be a cult classic right now. Like we would be talking yeah. about it, it would be like, it would be like, man, that fucking movie was great. You, you fucking Mathau was amazing in it, or Lemon was amazing in it. Like that's the kind of level of like, yeah. like, like those are the kinds of dudes that would have starred in this movie back in the seventies. Um, or fucking uh, actually, it would have been Peter Falk. Like that would have <laughs> been my choice. I mean, I love Peter Falk. Like he's like one of my favorites. So, um, especially with the whole eye thing, like with the Giamatti thing, like it, you'll see. Um, but yeah. So we'll be back next week. Um, anything else going on in the interwebs for you? 
Uh, and not not really. I've got uh, uh, Jess and I are back uh, wrapping up the oh, last right. five or six episodes of Ted Lasso. Um, nice. So uh, uh, we took a break for for you know the end of the year holidays, all mm-hmm. that stuff, because she's got family. So um, yeah. so we're back. Uh, we'll we'll be wrapping that up here in the next six weeks. Um, so go check that out, Pod Lasso over at xwingfiles.com. At some point, uh, we'll we'll get some uh, Marvel uh, fanfare episodes out on uh, What If and Echo, like uh, you know, a good like mm-hmm. hour and a half, two hour discussion on those. Um, but uh, it probably won't be for a little while. But <laughs> those shows aren't aren't nobody's <laughs> burning <laughs> like to talk, you know, to to praise it or to even go watch those shows. But even yeah. though we enjoyed both of them, I understand they're not lighting the world on fire. So, um, and <laughs> star Wars outside, we didn't even talk about the Mandalorian announcement, but yeah, uh, it, yeah, we, maybe we can talk more about that next week. Um, but yeah, uh, go check all that out. Xwingfiles.com. And, uh, of course you can check out my writing over on Adam's website. Yes. The movieisle.com. Um, we will have a new we have a new volume of moving pictures next week um there's <coughs> sorry about that guys um we're actually wrapping up 2023 with our best of articles um logan is working on one i'm working on mine of course the best of us marie has already got hers on there and i can tell you um this is this is how i know it's a very strange year is that none of the movies that are on marie's are m- any of my top 10 and usually we have a little crossover a little because you know like but marie is like one of those people that will give you a movie that in 10 years like everybody hails as a classic like a stone cold classic and it's from poland and it's it's sad it's intelligent it's like amazing like that's like that's her tastes and i'm okay with that like i love that that's what i love about the site and like what she does for the site. So, you know, it's a really strange year when we don't connect like in any way, shape or form. Um, uh, and my movies are very different than her movies. So there's that, but, um, there's all that and more, uh, of course, like, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, me, I'm always doing some, uh, I'm always doing some great, like, you know, or, you know, strange at the very least strange, home video releases uh and reviewing them and i've definitely been doing that recently so you can always do that you know look at all of that this week and next and all of the weeks at the movieisle.com i will be back next week hopefully talking about some some films and not david fucking zasloff so please please (laughs) the zaz cast has become we have become officially the zaz cast (laughs) and not in a good way so but yes, uh, we will be back next week, um, you know, uh, doing this and hopefully talking some good movies. We'll see you guys soon. Number two, comics. Number three, Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. Number four, Mario. Number five, Weird Al. Number six, Batman. Number seven, Cal Number eight, The Simpsons. Number nine, TV. Number ten, every single band that I stole all their MP3s. But before they all sold out, see it all together if you're with me now. Let's